When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And as it is Wednesday, middle day of the week, it means it's gardening day. And I can already see questions coming in for Peter Dowdle. So you can keep those coming in and uh, we'll put them to Peter later on on the programme uh, today. And I'm always, when I come in in the mornings, going through the papers and I'm always scrambling to find good news stories and stories that kind of make you smile and make you feel good. And there is lovely pictures on the paper today on the Echo and a lovely piece written by Sarah Horgan about about Mary McGrath from the Model Farm Road. Mary is Cork's oldest woman and she went out to her local bar yesterday to celebrate making it through the height of the coronavirus pandemic and to celebrate getting through uh, lockdown. Mary McGrath is 104 years uh, old and she had her first outing yesterday since the arrival of the coronavirus last March and obviously she would have been cocooning for a period of time. And the owner of the Model Farm Bar and Bistro Pat Burton made sure that her first outing yesterday was a day to remember. She is a Barrick Street resident and she was welcomed with a bouquet of roses before she celebrated with her first pub lunch since the easing of restrictions. And she just looks absolutely fantastic. If you have to live to be 104, Mary McGrath, that is the way to uh, do it. She's incredible. And as I say, there's a lovely piece about her first outing yesterday in the paper by uh, Sarah Horgan and she even picked up the menu and read the menu and I believe she didn't even need to put on any glasses to read the menu. It's, it's a lovely story but it's a great uh, picture. Uh, well done to uh, Mary McGrath and uh, may uh, she have many more outings, many more pub lunches on a uh, Tuesday. Now, people considering holidays and the confusion around holidays at the moment. And now I think the really worrying news that is that holidaymakers could face losing thousands of euros on flights and accommodation. It, and that's if they decide to cancel their holidays, which is the medical advice we're getting from this country. But if the flights go ahead 
then they're going to lose out. There's, they have no way of getting their money back. Families who have booked foreign holidays for this summer are stuck in really in limbo land at the moment because there's such mixed messages coming from the government and from the health officials and obviously from those in aviation they're saying come one come all the flights are are going and those who choose to follow the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan's uh, call to cancel foreign holidays they will not be entitled to a full refund if the flights go uh, ahead and as we know at the moment foreign travel to and from this country is not banned under the government's COVID-19 measures. Foreign flights from Ireland has significantly ramped up from today with Ryanair hoping to fly up to 40% of its network throughout the month of July. And of course, Tony Houlihan is aware of that. And he came out this week and he's warning against, he's saying to people, don't get on those planes, do not go abroad. Now, the Irish Travel Agents Association uh, and passengers are pleading with the government, please give us some clarity and let people know one way or the other. Can we go? Can we not go? If we're not going to go, at least give people their money back. Because I think people are really in this dilemma at the moment. I mean, people listen to Tony Houlihan. People respect Tony Houlihan. And if Tony Houlihan is saying not to travel and somebody has a holiday booked, I think people will listen to Tony Houlihan and say, OK, I'm not going to go. But if they're not going to get their money back and if you've booked a family holiday, people could, could, could have spent many thousands of euros booking flights and accommodation at the height of the tourism season. And if you don't think you're going to get your money back, there will be a cohort of people who won't be comfortable about going because of what Tony Houlihan has said, but because they're going to say, well, that's my hard-earned cash. And this will be the only holiday I'm going to get for this year. I'm not going to get the money back, so I'm going to go on the plane and I will risk it uh, anyway. Now, some airlines and operators are offering vouchers or they're offering the opportunity to people to change their flight dates. But those who have booked full holidays in advance... They're the ones who face being most out of pocket. The Irish Travel Agents Association says the government was being unfair by giving people permission to fly and then their health experts telling them not to fly. The biggest problem, I heard Pat Pat Dawson, the chairperson of the Irish Travel Agents Association, uh, he says the biggest problem is that the government is saying on one hand go, they're allowing the flights to go and then on the other hand they're saying well you shouldn't go on health uh, grounds and then they're saying when you come back you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. The Pat Dawson says their suggestion to the government is that they cancel all the flights and then they refund all the customers their uh, money that that would be the best way to do it. He added that there were up to 50 flights expected to leave Ireland uh, today and the Chief Medical Officer Tony Hoolan of course came out on Monday and he said it would make much more sense not to go ahead with your holiday plans and actually myself and John Paul when we were in the office this morning we just took a look on the website Dublin have a lot of flights uh, heading out uh, today and if you go on the Cork Airport website the flights because Cork Airport since lockdown have only had sort of the two flights not even the two flights every day but the flights to London the connectivity to London remained Aer Lingus had a flight to Heathrow every day nearly every day and Air Ryanair had the flight to Stansted but you can already see more flights are opening up out of uh, Cork now a spokesperson for Michal Martin our new Taoiseach said the government's subcommittee is going to meet on Friday they'll review all of the latest information and then the government then will the cabinet then will uh, go and meet and they will make a decision uh, there is is no reliable data available at the moment on the number of people who have booked 
for a foreign holiday in the coming weeks. Ryanair Erling, Erlingers are not answering any requests to give specific figures on the number of people who have booked to fly across July and across August and into September. So we've no way of knowing the numbers involved here. But Ryanair yesterday confirmed it's running 1,000 daily flights across Europe, which it said would be 90% of its pre-COVID network, but there will be lower frequency. The Dublin Airport Authority said it's impossible for them to predict their traveller numbers for July. They were able to take a look at last Monday uh, and they were able to say that 4,000 passengers went through Dublin Airport. Now that was both people arriving and departing. Now when they compare that to an equivalent Monday the last Monday, say in June of last year, there would have been 116,000 passengers would have gone through the airport. So a tiny, tiny fraction, even though when you hear 4,000 people travelled just out of Dublin Airport on Monday, I think that number alone will worry uh, people. But as I say, that's people coming into the country as well as people going out of the country. Now, we did a poll on Instagram yesterday asking people would you would, would you still consider a foreign holiday and this was after Dr Tony Houlihan coming out saying to people if you have travel plans you really should cancel them uh, 12% of people on and this was just on our this isn't very scientific it was just on our Instagram poll but 12% of people said yes they are and will consider a, a foreign holiday. Well, 88% said they would not. And then yesterday on the programme, Sinead, remember Sinead? I don't know if you were listening to us yesterday. Sinead joined us and was speaking about having been in Killarney at the weekend and coming across a young, two young men from America, young guys in their 20s. And they came into a shop that Sinead happened to be in and they were asking for directions to some local tourist hotspot in Killarney. And uh, she said she was intrigued by the American accent. So she got chatting to them and asking them, are you on holidays? What's your they said, Yeah, yeah, we're on holidays. And she said, oh, and, uh, and how'd you get here? And they said they flew into Belfast, hired a car and they travelled down to uh, Killarney. I don't know where else they're planning on. Maybe they're planning on travelling around. And uh, she said, you know, you know, you still consider coming even with all the, you know, global pandemic and COVID-19 and all that. And they said, yeah, sure. Our president, Mr. Donald Trump, had told us we can travel and, and we're going on his advice. And they said, yes. And obviously they had a, they already had a plan to come to Ireland probably since last year because it's not something uh, Americans would, would decide today we'll go to Ireland tomorrow. There would, would have been a lot of planning in it. So because their president said it's OK to travel, they decided to travel. And then I got a lovely letter in this morning, handwritten letter. Thank you to Mary in uh, Canturk. And Mary was uh, writing firstly in response to me commenting yesterday about the RT Investigates programme on uh, COVID-19 and how upsetting I found it. And Mary said she, she herself was in tears as well. And she said, remember the Spanish flu was around for three years. God help us all if it will the same will be said about COVID-19. My friend, said Mary, lives in Killarney and herself and her husband went for their long-awaited drive-out last Sunday and they ventured as far as the grounds of Muckras House. 
She rang me when she got home and she says it wasn't a pleasure to go there. They didn't stay very long. Why wasn't it a pleasure? Because there was lots of Americans walking around Mukra's house. She said you, they were very clearly identifiable as you could clearly hear their accents. While sitting on a bench, she heard an obvious local asking a couple sitting on another bench, is that an American accent I hear? To which they replied, yes, it is. Then he asked, local man in Kerry, and how did you get over here? And they said, oh, we are coming to Ireland the smart way. We flew to London Heathrow, then on to Belfast, hired a car in Belfast and drove down to Kerry. And they are now touring Ireland. I find this very, very disturbing especially, says Mary, with the COVID surge that's going on in America. Now, I certainly won't be going to Killarney or any other tourist hotspot after hearing that. And I wonder how many more visitors are travelling around, says uh, Mary. Isn't it? uh, Thank you for your letter, Mary. Isn't it incredible, though, that they, the tourists themselves, even said, oh, we're coming to Ireland the smart way because they know that if they come in to Dublin or into Cork or into Shannon, they'll have to sign the location where they're going to be for the next 14 days and then they're asked to self-isolate. So they're getting around that. God, Belfast must be doing, Belfast Airport must be doing well out of us. Uh, They're getting around that by flying into Belfast because, of course, you can drive across the border and you don't have to self-isolate. That's an agreement that's been there uh, since since we went into lockdown and since the restrictions came in on quarantine and people coming into this uh, country. And also that that self-isolating for two weeks, that rem- remains in place. I think it's going to get reviewed on the 9th of July, so it gets reviewed, view, reviewed next year, next week. And it's one of the reasons actually I saw uh, the EU countries, they've, they've all started opening up their borders for today because a lot of the EU countries had a complete lockdown. Nobody was allowed in out of their country except on emergency or compassionate grounds but they weren't allowing any tourists uh, in or out for most of the American countries for most of the European countries and they've now opened up their borders but they're advising against travel to Ireland because of the two-week quarantine and that's why there has been a push from the hospitality sector to get rid of the two-week quarantine because it's going to stop tourists coming in. But where there's a will, there's a way and it looks like the Americans and have spotted a loophole and spotted a way around coming to Ireland without having to quarantine. And I do think Mary is right that coming from America at the moment, because if you're watching any of the American news channels, if you watch CNN is my go-to, I have to say, and to watch the outbreaks in America, and it is worse they're getting. They're not in any way improving the, the their COVID-19 cases. And actually, Michael, I'm sure I saw a WhatsApp in from Michael, who is raising the issue of US travellers and uh, says, Patricia, hi, as the EU now are deciding to bar all EU travel into the EU over concerns over COVID-19. It will be an impossible decision to reverse as no doubt the Americans will try and do but will be very doubtful. Will try and do but that will be very doubtful while they have COVID-19 under control until they have COVID-19 under control in the States. Listening to Dr Fauci. Dr Fauci is the Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the States and he's just an amazing guy. And he's a real thorn in Donald Trump's side, but he's fantastic to listen to. Anyway, to hear Dr. Fauci this week saying it is out of control in America and he's predicting they could hit 100,000 deaths a day 
if they keep going the way they're going in the United States. If we're not careful here, we will see a spike. Just look at what happened in Sligo, a county that was doing extremely well. Now, Sligo is the case where the man came back from Iraq with his wife and child and they all tested positive for COVID-19. And there's a cluster now in Sligo, 14 members of the one family of that family who travelled back from Iraq all have tested positive for COVID-19 but their contact tracing now has gone on because it's who they came in contact with and they're all been um, they're all been tested at the moment I saw a picture actually from a test centre in Sligo and the line of cars going into the test centre was, was incredible but hopefully it'll be contained within that family but anyway that's going on in Sligo at the moment and that's down to a travel related uh, case back to Michael's WhatsApp he says that is why wearing a mask is imperative in this country it is more effective than a vaccine a vaccine that we will not see for a few years if ever by wearing a mask your cough will travel 8 feet by wearing a folded handkerchief you reduce that by 1.5 feet and I suppose it's by not wearing a mask your your cough will travel eight feet. By wearing a folded handkerchief, you reduce it by 1.5 feet. By wearing a stitched mask with two layers, the ordinary mask that we're all asked to wear, it reduces your cough by two and to two and a half inches. Wearing a mask is all about protecting other people. You shouldn't have to make it mandatory to wear a mask. You should wear it out of respect for other people. Remember that they are respecting you by wearing theirs. So please wear one. You could save somebody else's life. It's your patriotic duty. China has shut down schools as a terrifying second wave of COVID-19 uh, strikes and that's what everybody fears that we could end up with a COVID a second wave here in this country. 1850-333-103 Our lines are open Your calls are welcome You can text or WhatsApp particularly on this whole issue of travel Are you one of those that has a holiday booked? How are you feeling about it? If the flight doesn't get cancelled and it doesn't look like you're going to get your money back Will that, will that force you then to say, oh, well, I'm not going to waste my money. I'm going to go on holidays as well. Or will you just go, be very unfortunate, lose all the money you've spent on your holidays? But are you going with Dr. Hulan and deciding not to travel? Or are you with the other cohort of people that say, no, life has to get back to normal. I want my holiday. I'm going away. I'm sure I look after myself and I'll be careful when I'm abroad. Mary says, morning, Patricia. I'm going to the hairdressers tomorrow. Happy days, Mary. Can I take my own water and my magazine with me? I'm looking forward uh, to it. Um, I think I could foresee no reason why you couldn't bring your own bottle of water and your own magazine with you. I certainly, when I was watching on TV, you know, when they were doing the news reports on the first day of the hairdressers being open on Monday and I saw a number of people in hairdressing salons. I saw one lady had a book. She brought her own book with her. I saw somebody else with a magazine. But what I would suggest you do, Mary, because it's all hairdressers are individuals. They're all, you know, they're all... um, uh, they all operate their own business they're, they're operating to guidelines so I imagine it will vary from hairdresser to, to hairdresser so I, I just give a buzz to the hairdresser today and just say by the way I'm bringing my own bottle of water my magazine is that okay my gut instinct tells me it uh, would be you could always leave it in the bag if the hairdresser has an issue with it but I can't see it being um, uh, an issue and then someone else got her hair done yesterday uh, a lady by text saying I am an asthmatic um, I went to the hairdresser yesterday and the hairdresser gave me a mask to wear. Uh, I found it a bit difficult um, as I do have breathing difficulties. I thought if you're breathing difficulties i.e. you're an asthmatic that you didn't have to wear a mask. I said that to the hairdresser um, uh, but I would, I told her that I have a right to refuse to wear it and she said no, in the guidelines you must wear 
the customer and the hairdresser must wear the mask at all times even though when my hair was finished the hairdresser took off her mask um, what do you think Patricia? Um, okay it's again it's up to the individual hairdresser because they're all individual businesses there there isn't I don't know if you've a right to say I'm not wearing a mask and then the hairdresser has a right to say well if you're not wearing a mask I'm not doing your hair um, because I know when we spoke with the Asthma Society they are pressing the government to try to bring in exemptions to the rules for people on buses people travelling on buses and it's mandatory now to wear a mask at the moment there isn't exemptions what I've been saying to people and the Asthma Society says some doctors may be slow to do it but if you really are having difficulties and you feel you can't wear a mask then I would suggest you need to talk to your doctor and see if your doctor will give you some kind of a letter and then if you go to the hairdresser you can show the letter and explain on medical grounds I've been advised not to wear a mask and see how you get on there and if your hairdresser is still uncomfortable doing your hair then maybe you could try a different hairdresser and see if a different hairdresser might have a different ruling on it but I would suggest maybe getting a letter from your doctor just to back up because there is that fear that everyone's going to start saying oh I'm asthmatic I can't wear a mask Um, so it's it's going to be you know a number of listeners were suggesting a little bit like when we travelled to work during lockdown and I travelled everywhere with a letter from work so when I was stopped by the guards I was able to say I've here's my letter I'm, I'm going to and uh, from work people are saying we need to have something similar for genuine cases of people with breathing, breathing difficulties be it somebody with COPD are like that our listener with asthma who finds it really really difficult to wear a, a mask I mean if it's a quick haircut or a wash and blow dry you're getting it might be too bad but if you're in for and you can be in for a long period of time if you're getting a, a colour for example uh, Stephen in Clonakilty says travelling on the bus to Cork via Cross Barry everyone on the bus wearing a mask including the driver. Uh, Stephen gets the bus a lot and he says all all of the drivers he has has been seeing has been wearing masks, even though yesterday we had some calls in from listeners to say that the buses they were on, the drivers weren't wearing the masks. But there's Stephen and Clan saying everybody he has seen is wearing a mask. Now, on the whole thing of holidays, are you going to go on holidays? If you have a holiday booked and you're not going to get your money back, would you still take the risk and go? Or are you with Dr Tony Houlihan taking his advice and saying no even if I don't get my money back I'm just going to have to suck up the loss and not go on holidays this year. Morris says I think the government really do need to intervene when it comes to foreign uh, travel especially for people who've made the decision heeding the advice of Tony Houlihan and have decided not to go. In Morris' household she said my son is an asthmatic. He had booked a holiday to New York and this holiday was booked way before the pandemic but because the cases of COVID 19 are so high in the States he has made the decision not to go. Unfortunately, he won't get a refund because the flight is still going. The hospital, the, the government really needs to intervene in these uh, cases. God, that's just so so uh, unfair, isn't it? John and Maddow says, during the lockdown if I left Maddow to go to Killarney, I could have been stopped by Angarda Shikona and turned around and sent home. I think we need to be doing something similar with the Americans. But you see, there's, there's nothing, there's no rules in place to stop the Americans coming into this country so the Gardaí don't have the, the laws to back that up to say to Americans uh, go home. Billy in 
Skibbereen says, while Dr Tony Houlihan is telling us all now not to travel abroad, why then back in March did he leave those Italians into the country when there was no match on all of those Italians travelled? Marion and Bandon said, I was going to book a holiday before the pandemic. I was thinking of going to the sun somewhere like Lanzarote or Malaga. But now I'm not going anywhere because I fear getting COVID-19 or else, says Marion, I'd fear that I'd bring it back and I could inf- infect somebody else for that reason, not going out of the country for this year at least. Lisa in Carrick-Navarre, I was going to travel. I am going to travel, but I'm going to holiday in Ireland and that's what I'm going to do until a vaccine has been uh, found. We've never been to Mayo or Donegal, so we're planning a trip to that part of the country instead. And Una in McCroom says... I'm also not planning on travelling abroad until at least a vaccine has been uh, found. And then we had an email into Patricia at c103.ie from Catherine to say, just checking to see, could can I holiday in Ireland at a reasonable price? How can a hotel charge €3,000 plus for two adults and two children? That's not fair. That's why people are travelling abroad. If holidays, if hotels bring down prices, maybe we could stay in our own country. And that, by the way, was some bed and breakfast for five nights. How could they justify that? Now, I got that email before I came in here this morning and I was saying this... And it always frustrates me when I hear people quoting prices like that because that works out at €600 a night. I don't know where the hotel hotel is. I'm assuming it's a five-star hotel in probably a very popular tourist destination that we won't even hazard a guess where. So I very quickly, and I'll, I'll try this afternoon to do more do a little bit more research on this but I very quickly went on to one you know one of the booking websites and I put in a number of different destinations and I picked five nights I went from the 9th of August to the 14th of August for five nights here in Ireland for exactly what Catherine wants for two adults and two children and I put in Doolan Doolan is a nice place to visit and I got and this was just on a very very quick search I got a hotel for 1,842 for the four of them but I also got a hotel for just over a thousand euro for the five nights. Then I put in lovely Clonakilty, nowhere better to holiday. I got one thousand two hundred and sixty for the five nights. I also got a hotel in Clonakilty for seven hundred euro for two adults, two children for five nights in August. Then I went to Galway. I got a hotel for six hundred and fifty-four euro. Also spotted a hotel for five hundred and ninety-five for the five nights and then in Wexford I got a hotel for a thousand euro for two adults and two children five nights and I got a hotel as low as 590 so I say to anyone including um, uh, Catherine I'm assuming it had to be five star if they're charging you 600 euro a night and you'd want to be off your rocker to pay that for two adults and two children shop around it's what I'm always saying to people and if you even if you just go on one of those booking websites take a look and then if you pick a hotel that you particularly like and an area that you particularly want to go in ring the hotel you'll often even get a better deal when you ring up and almost start bartering with them the hotels are looking to fill bed nights so I'm just it's slightly annoying me when everyone is just knocking Ireland all of the time we know this is an expensive uh, country nobody's taking away from that but there really is some great value out there if you shop around 1850 and if you're planning a trip to Australia don't go Australian officials have banned international flights from landing in Melbourne for the next two weeks they've had a, a spike in uh, new COVID-19 cases other lockdown measures covering 300,000 people in 
the suburbs are introduced until the 29th of uh, July and some of the infections were actually spread by staff working in quarantine hotels for foreign travellers so they've decided rather than start quarantining people they're stopping all flights landing in Melbourne for two weeks that's a smart smart move they will get their COVID-19 cases under control mark my words text to WhatsApp 0862 103 Fonsawalcha <laughs> Neil Cad Nismo na Sheshiran Chuma. Anish Takiadak Tashal Iver Kunta Hefein, Akashifanak the Voskilt Fihe Kilometer Din Tak. Matash of last year Agus a mask on football, Beta Eran Mosno on train, Dain Irach mask Aig Kahav on Tamar Fad. Takiada Kurikunigig Bulsus Lahig Atliach no sport, Akashiv Vet Tavamwe. Fon Savata, Dain Kri Leshnarilaka. Lahai Tilla Olish, Fonlin, RC 103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Thank you to somebody who is obviously a hairdresser has contacted us about the lady who Mary wasn't, who was going to the hairdresser tomorrow and was wondering could she bring her own bottle of water and her own magazine seen uh, with her. Uh, hairdresser has been on say yes absolutely but you need to bring the items home with her afterwards. You can't leave the magazine behind and there's no magazines now of course when you go to the hairdresser that's part of their uh, guidelines. Now yesterday when we were getting people's reaction to the RTE Investigates programme on COVID-19 at St. James's Hospital in Dublin, so many people commented on the compassion of the staff, especially towards the older people who were dying and the great dignity extended to those who had sadly passed away. One of our local county councillors got to experience it firsthand how death was dealt with during lockdown and Councillor Paul Hayes joins me to talk about his time as a volunteer with a local undertaker. Good morning. Morning to you, Paul. Morning, Patricia. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Um, Firstly, what made you decide to volunteer with a funeral director? Um, I suppose, yeah, kind of a strange decision, some might think. Um, look, I suppose it was, it was early March. Um, a lot of our council meetings were all after being postponed. You know, we were doing most of our work online and, you know, assisting people there, you know, with simple things and, you know, arranging library book deliveries and things like that. But for the most part, our, our meetings were postponed, clearly, Um and again, my, my day job with, with Gav Republic Coffee, again, 99% of our customers were closed. So again, that was that was pretty much finished. So I suppose, look, my, my wife and I were look, watching the news and things and looking at the escalating uh, uh, crisis across Europe and the massive numbers in Italy and places like that. And, you know, it, it was looking like that Ireland was next to be overwhelmed with, you know, the, the, the COVID crisis. And again, I, I think the, the she kind of said maybe, you know, would you, would you think of helping out um, uh, the, the local um, undertaker? So I, I sent a message at the time to, to John Michael Foley. They're based in Tinnelegan. 
uh, in the last year they, they've expanded into Clonakilty as well with a new funeral home there uh, so again so he, he thanked me for the message initially and said I'll keep you in mind but as restrictions um, came in, in in about a week and a half afterwards he found that his own staff had to be cocooned uh, because of their age and things like that so he came back to me wondering if I was still available to, to help out so yeah and did you witness how staff at the hospital dealt with people who passed away? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my very first uh, uh, case, I suppose, really, uh, when I when I got the call was was COVID related. Um, uh, unfortunately, some someone had passed away in Clannacilty Hospital. Um, so again, the, the undertaker rang me and. Uh, it was decided that we'd rather go in in the morning when there'd be more activity around the place and patients and residents would be up and around the place uh, that we'd go in after midnight and it would be, would be more discreet. So we went in around the back entrance and met staff there who were fantastic. And again, a very sombre uh, occasion up there because sadly there had been a number of people passing away up there. Uh, but yeah, we, we had to literally go through the whole motions of disinfecting and, and sanitising the trolley or anything that we were bringing in. We, we stood outside the door of the hospital as we put on the full PPE gear, everything from you know hairnets, goggles, full suit, uh, double gloves, everything like that, you know, and face masks, obviously. So we would have went in a back entrance into the room um, and, and the staff were there gathered, you know. So, um, yeah, I suppose you're, you're, you're cognizant and the staff are, are there. And, like, I mean, I, I haven't actually seen the programme over the last couple of evenings myself, but I know I, I've seen little clips of it. And, again, I suppose people's worry is, like, that they've died alone and family members are really worried, like, but I suppose part of my reason for, for messaging you yesterday was to say, you know, that, you know, their loved ones, you know, were very, very much cared for up, you know, in, in their last moments and that they were really very much loved because it was absolutely evident um, some of the residents and patients uh, up there would have been there for years or some more recent. But um, again, the nurses that were, came over, they were all saying goodbye. They might have said a little silent prayer. Again, we really went to us when we were in the car. Your your phone just moved slightly, um, Paul, because oh, yeah. your your phone has just gone. Uh, oh, yeah. The, 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 yeah. So they were speaking to the deceased person, saying their goodbyes. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously, when it when it came to our turn, you know, to when when they had passed, obviously, you know, when we were called in, then, um, you know, that the nurses were were very very kind. That they were very, um, very sincere and very dignified. Um, and again, they, they all came over to kind of say their goodbyes because, as I said. Um, we 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 sealed the coffin. We put the lid on, and we knew then after that, like there was no family or friends ever going to to see them again. You know, so it it was it was really the nurses were, were like the, the person's family. Um, you know, and and it, it was it was very it was quite an emotional thing, really, to be honest with you. Um, and again, as we drove out, uh, the word of obviously would have went around the hospital um, to say. You know that that we we were we were there to 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 collect somebody or whatever, and there was like a silent little vigil, you know, with, with staff members lining the route out of the the hospital oh. as as we slowly drove out afterwards. And again, I mean, it was it was it was you know, as I said, nobody knew what was going on. You know, this this was happening at twelve thirty after midnight. You know, and and this was all going on kind of behind the scenes. Like so, again, it's just I suppose to let people know that. Um, with with a similar, which was a, a non-COVID case in uh, in, in Kinsale, and uh, another lady down there. But again, because of restrictions, friends and family couldn't be with the, the lady when she passed. Um, but again, the staff there were so uh, so warm and 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 dignified. And uh, as I said, you know, they they had 
candles lighting down the corridor as as we walked down. They all stood again with a candle in their hand, you know, just silently as as we as we rolled the the trolley past with the coffin as we as we walked out. Like so again, as the, I mean, it was just so touching that they took the time and and they were probably run off their feet as you can imagine, but they took the time just to give somebody a very dignified. And um, you know, uh, send off their on their final journey. That from, is, from it's, their ju- it's just the compassion uh, in in the, the dignified way the remains were treated. I just think that is so so touching because it's been so difficult, Paul, for families. I mean, even last night on the program, um, which wasn't as sad as the previous nights, but still, it was a powerful program last night again. But it was one elderly lady who was, you know, recovering from COVID-19. But sadly, her husband had passed away while she was in there. And, um, you know, she just said he went out there and he, he's gone and I don't know where he's gone. He's disappeared. And she wasn't at the funeral. She wasn't with him when when he died. And her heartbreak was just palpable to watch. It was just it was incredible. Um, so for someone like that, for her to know that her husband's remains would have been treated with such dignity and respect. And, you know, I keep using the word compassion because it's just it's just this amazing compassion that we have, we the Irish have, and, and certainly it's in abundance in Absolutely. our hospitals and our care homes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly look at the whole tradition. I mean, the Irish have a lovely tradition around funerals and, and just that the whole grieving process. It's really, really important to people to meet up with friends and family. And, and that was absolutely turned on its head. Again, I suppose the different undertakers would have interpreted the, the rules maybe slightly differently. I, I suppose what we were always trying to do over the last number of months was to give people time and space. Clearly, you know, the, the, the coffins and things would have been sealed. But we would give them time at the funeral home to, to you know, to, to spend a little bit of time with, with their loved ones or to even, you know, the funeral mass was really important to, to people as well. And that was organised in, in recent months as well, just to kind of give people a chance. But as you say, I mean, we've all been longing, you know, to, to, to put our arms around people and give them a hug, you know, our loved ones and parents and grandparents over the last number of months. And certainly, you know, in a funeral situation, you know, friends and neighbours would really love to, you know, just to give somebody a hug when their mum or dad or somebody belonged to them has passed. And they couldn't do that. But what I found was, was really touching. Again, I, I had opportunity to drive a hearse with, uh, you know, on, on a number of the routes and neighbours would have lined the route. You know, they came they came out to, the, to the, the end of their driveway or to the end of the road or whatever, and they lined the route. They were all socially distancing and all that kind of stuff that went with it. But it was just, it was very touching. And I think it was really, really important to, um, to the grieving families you know, I, I think that they really, really um, uh, were, were, were appreciative of, of that. You know, the people, you know, came out and and uh, and and kind of said their final goodbyes to their neighbours, and in a kind of a new way that you know they couldn't. You know, maybe they might be able to go to the graveyard, but they certainly could certainly couldn't shake hands or give somebody a hug, as I said. But I thought that was quite lovely. Like, in, in yeah, and I think it just it shows the bereaved families were were thinking of you. You know, mm. we're acknowledging the passing of your of your loved one and. You know, we're here for you, even though we're we're here from you for we're here for you from a distance, and because we we traditionally have huge funerals. You know, I mean that's what we're all we're known around the world for our big funerals and the way we look after the bereaved. And it's just it's been so difficult, and I imagine Paul really difficult on the start the the undertakers. I mean, you know, John Michael Foley, it's really difficult for those people what they've dealt yeah. with. Certainly, yeah. I mean, look, I only got a snapshot of 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 some of this over the last number of months. Like, but I mean, you know, I, I'm 
I'm, I'm in awe of people like that and, and, and of the, the nurses and the staff, as I said, we, we just dipped in and out, you know, for a very short period. Um, you know, but the paramedics, the, the ambulance uh, paramedics, the staff, you know, they they were living this for months and still are, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm personal friends with, with many of them, like, and, you know, they've literally put themselves in harm's way, you know, for, for this. And, and they've had to self-isolate from their own family. I know some have been put up in uh, local hotels, you know, and they're, they're spending days or weeks away from their own children and things like that. Like, so, I mean, the sacrifices that they've um, been putting themselves through over the last number of months is just absolutely un- unbelievable. And I do hope, I suppose, look, I mean, we do have a new government and, and all that. Like, and I know money is certainly going to be tight in the, in the year or two ahead, but I, I really do hope that, that, that these heroes that we have uh, are, you know, recompensed and given the resources, whether it's financially or the equipment that they need to do to go about their job, you know, in a safe manner. Uh, I really do hope that the new administration will will look after them because I, I look I think they they need more than just a round of applause at this stage. And okay, well I, I think they're, they're they're absolute heroes in my eyes. Okay, well said. And listen, well done to you. It was a a, a great act that you that you did, um, and uh, well done. And and we'll talk again. Listen, thank you for that, and thanks for sharing thanks. that with us. Good morning thanks. to you. Uh, bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, Court Sherry based uh, Councillor Paul Hayes, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. We've just launched a brand new radio station exclusively online. C one zero three anthems. To listen to C103 Anthems, download our phone app, ask your smart speaker, or go to c103.ie. C103 Anthems. C103 is online everywhere. We'll keep you up to date with everything happening across Cork. Follow us on Facebook. Simply search for C103. Join us on Twitter. Search for our handle at C103 Cork. And for photos and vids, find us on Instagram at C103 Cork. Connect with us on social today at C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Eileen by WhatsApp. Hi Patricia, can you tell me please, can I renew my passport in the post office? It was stopped during COVID-19. The latest update on passport applications. This is Passport Express you're looking for. Those services will resume later in the summer. I can't get a date except that they say they've still been suspended. If you need to apply for a passport uh, you can only use the passport online services with Passport Express resuming sometime in the summer but I don't have a date we will keep an eye on it but as of now uh, you know you're not going to be able to go through the post office you'll have to do it online and just a couple of people on the NCT centres and we've been getting calls since the NCT started back up we know in Cork the two centres opened at Lyland and Blarney but the people were wondering about the ones in the county Skibbereen reopened yesterday and the NCT tell us that the plans to reopen the centres in McCroom in Charleville and Yall will be mid July. So after next week, I imagine they're going, they're going to open. But they certainly are taking bookings for later on in the summer for McCroom, Yall and uh, Charleville. But Skibbereen has opened yesterday. And Lucy says, Patricia, are we still COVID free in uh, Cork? You were talking last week when we were seven days uh, COVID uh, free. We got to 11 days with no cases of COVID-19 but then a single new case was recorded on Monday I'm sure it was or maybe it was at the weekend we went from June the 15th 
to June the 26th, 11 day period without anybody testing positive for COVID-19, which was terrific. And we were getting very close to having the two week uh, mark when we would have been halfway to being a county COVID free. But unfortunately, then at the weekend, one, just one uh, single case. So the clock is set again and uh, we start counting up again. 1850-333-103. Now, on a totally different issue, Guardian in Cork are to patrol hotspots of antisocial behaviour over the summer months. It's part of a new strategy and they say young people found to be in breach of the law will face repercussions. Crosshaven councillor Audrey Buckley joins me to discuss what she says is simply a lack of respect for the area. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning. Thank you for having well, me. Well, well, you're welcome. Now, the problem here, it, 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 from what I can gather, it appears to be—is it beach parties? Is, is that what is going on? Um, well, of course, since we're all staycationing this year, um, a lot of the teenagers are coming down and enjoying themselves. But sometimes um, groups of them are coming down and unfortunately creating um, just antisocial behaviour issues for the locals and residents. Um, yeah, the 220 bus has been um, this is fantastic for our area, but it's also we're seeing is bringing um, a lot of these people, groups of big groups of kids down. And how, I mean, how large can the groups get? Well, for instance, I got word last week um, and that this was now after the Fennel Bay incident where there was a tent and beach chairs just left on the beach and drink from teenagers. They walked away from it all and left residents to pick it up. So about two days later, um, there was a junior start party. We had heard from one of the schools in Cork having their junior start party on, on one of the local beaches. Oh. Um, I arrived into Crosshaven about five o'clock on that afternoon and the village was full of teenagers all looking for this. Can, this, this is the beach out of the way. Um, and that's I, I mean, I saw about 50 kids anyway. Myself. And the big, the big issue, whatever about gathering in big groups uh, like that, which I know... It, I think it's 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 gone to two hundred outdoors, but um, but even even allowing for that, even if they weren't breaching social distancing and all of that, it's the rubbish that they're leaving yeah. behind. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's no clearly problem. the big problem. Yeah. Absolutely, I've no issue with the kids coming and enjoying themselves. Um, if they're drinking, um, then that's their parents' issue. No problem with that, and that's the guards' issue. It's the the litter the next morning, broken glass on the beach. Oh. Uh, you know, as I said, the tents, the chairs. Uh, you see, the, I, I, I mentioned this this morning when, when I was teeing up that you're coming on the programme, uh, Audrey. I mean, tents and beach, you know, fold out chairs uh, or whatever. These young people leave the house carrying these items. When they don't come home without them, does mammy or daddy not say, where's your picnic chair? Where's your tent that you brought with you? Well, obviously, kind of not. Um, and, you know, these things are so disposable now. You know, you go to to one of the local shops and you could buy maybe a tent for 30 euros. You know, um, uh, so the the cans and the bottles are a big issue for us. Um, I would love to see policies in place, responsible policies in place for um, plastic and for recycling for cans and bottles, you know. I'm, I'm hoping our, our new government will be able to, to look into something like that going forward. Because every summer we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and am I right? Am I right? But am I right in thinking this year is worse? 
Well, it is, of course, because these they're not going away on holidays. Um, and when they're, they've been off for three months already. They've been housebound for two months. They want to come out and meet their friends, and I wouldn't blame them. My, I have teenagers myself. It's just um, our habits need to change. The repercussions on our planet are, I don't think we just, we've educated them. And they take the Friday off to go with Greta Thunberg and go protecting for mm-hmm. our environment. But I don't um, think locally um, they're taking responsibility. So, like, you're not saying to young people, don't come to these lovely oh, no, scenic areas, not. but it's just show a bit of respect when you do come. Absolutely. Like the Life Boys now last week, there was two Life Boys broken last week. Oh, that always, always infuriates And me. where they were broken are very dangerous areas because it's where you jump at full tide. You'd be jumping off these cliffs and uh, it's imperative that these life boys are there to access if, God forbid, if anything happens. Um, I, I would just ask people with the antisocial behaviour because I've spoken to the little warden. Unfortunately, um, the enforcement officers, we have, I think, two of them in our area. Um, they work during the daytime. The antisocial behaviour, a lot of it, would happen at the evening. So they wouldn't be around. We're fortunate we have the local guards and he brings black bags with him and he makes these kids pick them up well when done. he does get them. Well yeah, done. he's great. Um, but people need to call the guards. Not put it on social media, saying there's a party happening at a local beach, there's 60 kids. You pick up the phone and you call the Togo Garda station. And reported immediately. Yeah. And and you know, I don't think many of those young people would be uh, would be listening to this program this morning. Uh, Audrey, parental responsibility. Parents need to step up to the mark here and question where their children and what their children are getting up to. Because we, like, we've heard cases like this before. I mean, I know when we've been dealing yeah. with the 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 lock the lockdown parties going on in the city what really frustrated the residents was watching parents dropping off their yeah. their beloved little dears saying have a nice time yeah. see you in a few days yeah. you know, I mean parents you know these kids are still even the ones that are over 18 are still in the main living at home parents have to take responsibility just because it's not happening on your doorstep you can't allow it to happen someplace else But when there's no repercussions then why not we need to change our bylaws Parents, I think I would love to see parents being more responsible for their their under eighteen children anyway, and maybe a fine, and the parents pay the fine, and then the next time Johnny and Mary are going out, the parents will be saying, "I don't want the guards at my door again. I'm not paying another hundred yeah, or a fine yeah, or whatever yeah. it is." You know? Yeah, it is. It is the one, the one way to get. And I know you're in your your. I mean, you're heavily involved with um, tidy towns. Uh, so, it's, yes. is it local people then are going out having to pick up that rubbish in Crosshaven and, yes. and Myrtleville and Fountainstown, Myrtleville? I bring a skiddy. I mean, there's a, there's a wide variety of beaches, and and we do it because um, we're just very respectful for our beaches, and also when kids go down during the daytime, you don't want them walking on glass. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see more people actually instead of complaining to each other just say if they see kids passing who've left stuff or anybody uh, to say excuse me I think you've just forgotten something there something dropped yeah point it out to them point you it out, point it out yeah. and I think that is definitely a start um, and I would as I said again I would love to see the bottle return scheme because we would have kids coming back down to the beach the next day picking up their cans and bottles for their five cents or ten cents 
Yeah, you would. You would. I mean, it's it's what, listen, I'm of the generation where you got money back on, on your bottles and uh, you, you collected all the neighbourhood bottles and brought them back to the shop and it was your pocket money. So, I mean, you would get you would get young people do, uh, doing it. Um, but it are you fearful now that, you know, we're into today, the first day of July? Are you fearful this is going to get worse across July and August? Well, unfortunately, the guards can't go on the buses because of COVID-19 and... Um, so they will be watching, and they have been last weekend asking um, these teenagers to look in their backpacks. They've been confiscating drinks. Um, so it is proactive, but I don't know how long they can continue to do this because of the lack of you know, resources that we have. But I think as locals ourselves, like we're putting up signages on beach um, and just for access asking people to be respectful and mindful of the area. Well done, well done you're, you're, you're doing your best. And listen, just yeah. while, I, while I have you on the line, you I believe were responsible or are responsible for the goats in the old cemetery in Crosshaven. Wasn't it oh, you? Yeah. Wasn't it you? <laughs> it was, just, okay. my, my babies. <laughs> These goats, and they're West Cork goats, they came from Castletown they Bay sure. is it? Yeah, okay. They came from Hungry Hill There's Hungry, a place there is, Hungry Hill. There is a very famous place in Castletown Bay <laughs> So how did you find out about a pair of goats on Hungry Hill that needed to go on their summer holidays to Crosshaven? Well, it, it took me about, uh, honestly, about two years. I saw them in the Gower. I saw sheep in the Gower. And I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. God, there's nothing to strim here. Or they're keeping it so clean. So I kind of did a bit of research into it because we we're doing a consolidation project on Temple Greedy. And I was asked by the Heritage, so what do you intend to do for the graveyard area? Which I didn't even think about at the time. So I said, you know, with the Heritage with Cork County Council allow me to put some goats in? So I did a bit of research and I proposed, uh, a, 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 and I was, it was agreed upon in Cork County Council. So it took me a year and a half to find goats to lease. Okay. Because we didn't want to own them. Um, so The Rock, David from The Rock, gave me a lovely lady, Nora DeBarra, in Castletown Bear's number. And straight away she said, absolutely, you can borrow uh, or lease. Or, or just, you know, she, I think it was volunteering these goats. So she gave me two initially. Okay. And unfortunately, so many people were feeding the first two. <laughs> um, and Oscar's a right little scamp. He's great. Like when he sees me now, he knows I'll bring a little treat of an apple or something. So he runs up to me. Yeah. So, um, so we had to get another two. It took her a week to catch these two on Hungry Hill. But unfortunately, they say when they go back to Hungry Hill in September, they'll be sitting at Nora's back door because they're so friendly now. With the amount of people going up there. It's like Patrick Street up there. But they're um, doing the job of keeping the keeping the grass job. down. It's not brilliant. Well, not even that. It's the brush. It's the brambles. So some of the marker stones are over 300 years old. That yeah. haven't been seen probably for over 100 years. We've moved them now six times because they're within Harris fencing to protect them. And um, the now and behind the goats, local volunteers like Fort Camden volunteers, local residents are coming behind them and clearing gently and being respectful of the graveyard, of course. Well um, and Mary Sleeman from the Heritage has been involved with Cork County Council so everybody's been really supportive and it looks amazing I hope you get to come I, down I, Absolutely well put that on my list of places to yes. visit but it's an incredible um, a, and a practical way Yes. You know what I mean? Without going in there, and, and I know Peter Dowd will be joining us later, hates weed killers and anything like that. So here's yes. here's a really environmentally friendly way. And as you say, it's attracting people then to come along and see the goats. 
It's great. Yeah. It's a win-win all and around. And I mean, the boats are looking over Spike Island, which is point. There's the best views in the harbour. Um, it's environmentally friendly. They're clearing brush, ivy. I mean, they eat anything. Um, so it's a very, it's, it's fantastic it's and great. it's really working well. It's such a novel idea and I'm hoping other people will be able to avail of the same, you know, their, their councils will allow them to do this as well. So I'm getting a lot of emails from people asking me about it and how did we get permission. Well done, well done. Yes, okay, listen, uh, Audrey, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks thank for, for joining us on, on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Crosshaven-based uh, uh, councillor Audrey uh, Buckley on uh, what it was initially to do with uh, young people and leaving all their rubbish behind. Please speak to your young people. We want young people to go out and enjoy themselves this summer. They have been locked up for many weeks. They have missed out on school. They have missed out on their friends, but they need to just show a little bit of respect when they're out and about. Let me do a quick look through some of your WhatsApps uh, coming in, getting a lot of discussion in about travel. Should we travel? Should we not travel? Anne says, listening to you about visitors coming to Killarney, why aren't the government and the health people stopping this right away? Sure, that's pure stupid. It was like Cheltenham and the Italian supporters all over again. And America is way out of control when it comes to this virus. We shouldn't be allowing them in at all. all. Hi Patricia, discussing holidays on your programme uh, this morning. Well, I, I, and I took part in the conversation, says this texter, uh, when you were talking about it a few weeks ago. Well, I've since got an email from Aer Lingus offering me an option to reschedule a reply for a, a voucher if your flights are booked between the 1st and the 19th of July and booked before the 31st of March. Delighted now that I can apply for a voucher instead of trying to reschedule the trip. The voucher is valid for five years with 10% extra applied. We've decided not to go before this email ever came to us. Uh, would have been just too nervous. Wouldn't be able to relax and enjoy a holiday. Hopefully, We'll get abroad in the future, yeah. And you have that voucher for five years, so it's, it's, it's terrific. You'll be able to go somewhere wonderful when COVID-19 is behind us. Hi, Patricia. Myself and my partner due to get married in the Caribbean in October. We've made the decision, obviously, now not to travel. And if we cancel our flights, we lose three thousand euro but we'll wait and hopefully the airline will cancel for us and then we'll get a refund we're holding tough you see that's that that's the exact kind of situation that the, the dilemma that people are finding themselves in but I think you've made the sensible decision not to travel and please God the flight will get cancelled and you'll be able to get your money back uh, and good luck with the wedding hi Patricia yes I would go on holidays oh why should I lose my hard-earned money the government had no problem giving away plenty of money all along that was our hard-earned money. Leo went to America for St. Patrick's Day when I think he shouldn't have gone and that was our hard-earned cash that paid for that trip. The government would not, will not even take a little cut in their wages so why should I lose out on money? Says this texter who's not going to lose out is going to... um, take and go take the risk and go on the holiday instead Patricia there are numerous this is to do with wearing a face mask there are numerous medical staff with asthma and they would never consider complaining about wearing a mask while at work it's unbelievable that your caller was complaining when was asked to wear a mask by a hairdresser uh, yesterday it is putting the hairdresser's life at risk by not wearing that mask if people are not prepared to compromise with situations like this when you're on public transport asked to wear a mask when you're at the hairdressers you're asked to wear a mask then they sh- simply should stay away says this uh, texture 1850 333103 can I just give a final 
comment in on a hairdresser that really surprised me. This came in to John Paul over the phones from Sheila in North Cork to say a friend of Sheila's went to a hairdresser in Tralee. She had an appointment with the hairdresser, I know if it was yesterday now, on Monday. And when she went in, the hairdresser said, you haven't got your hair washed. And she said, I didn't know I was to have my hair washed. So the hairdresser sent her, sent her home and she missed the appointment. Sheila says, is this just an individual hairdresser or has anybody else come across it? Well, I certainly went to my wonderful, gorgeous hairdresser, Anne, on Monday. And uh, she gently massaged my head as she washed, washed my hair. So, no, I haven't heard of it. Now, again, I keep saying to people, there are guidelines in place, a lot of guidelines in place for hairdressers. And there will be different interpretations of the guidelines so it will be an, in, an, in, an hairdressers work their individual businesses they're autonomous so they can decide what way they're going to do things I don't know why I haven't heard of it that's not to say that there are not hairdressers in Cork asking people to arrive with their hair already washed let us know if you've heard of any Cork hairdresser doing that 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls C103 Jobs Baker Finn are looking for a fully qualified accountant. It's for their offices in McCroom. While ground workers are required for East Cork and Cork City, experience with machinery would be an advantage. Classic Windows in Kilumny, they've got a vacancy for experienced window fitters, while a teleporter driver is wanted for the Mallow area. Valid safe pass, manual handle and CIF induction needed. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19. Entering phase three. Most businesses can now open. So let's help them get back to business by shopping locally. Use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local. And check to see what Cork businesses are now open. Now open. It's a sign of the time. Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local. It's a sign of the time. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, a Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. CMIG.ie Shop local with C103. Coming in on uh, social media, we were talking about Crosshaven with Councillor Audrey Buckley and people leaving their rubbish behind them when they're going on a day trip to the beach and young people organising parties. DJ on our Twitter at C103 Cork uh, said it was down in Crosshaven on Sunday. There is a green area and the bins were overflowing and that was early in the evening. Perhaps they need to install more bins or they need to make sure that the bins are getting emptied more often at the weekend, said DJ. That might help. And Frank, on on our Facebook, this is to do with the pubs, well, only pubs that serve food, reopening on Monday. Frank says, my daughter lives in Dublin. She visited four pubs on Monday evening. Now, she did make a booking at the first one, but she only had to buy a toasted sandwich for five euro in order to get a drink. Then she, her, his daughter said there was no time limit. They visited three other bars. They were only asked to leave one after the 105 minutes. Two others, there was no difference to pre-lockdown, except the numbers were limited, sort of 
his daughter says, because the smoking areas was abs- were absolutely packed. It's worrying in a way. Will the numbers increase? We're going to have to wait and see. And I think everyone is very nervous when the pubs fully reopen on the 20th of July. I think people are really, really uh, worried. Sm- things like that, smoking areas where people are all going to congregate together. It's going to be really difficult when it comes to social distancing. Thank you for that, uh, Frank. John Paul taking your calls. 1850-333-103. Now, back in May, I spoke with my next guest, Nula O'Brien from Glanworth, but currently living in Sydney, Australia. She shared her incredible story of a trip to an oncologist, fearing the worst due to a very swollen stomach, but found out she was actually 32 weeks pregnant. Well, baby Shay was born last week and first time mum, Nula, joins me. Uh, good, good morning to you, or good evening as it is in Sydney, Nula. Congratulations to you and Dale and tell me all, how is baby doing? Good, good, good. He's great. Um, he's just so happy and content. Like, no wonder we didn't know it was him for eight months. He's so quiet. <laughs> and the weight? Um, 8.5. Wow, that's a big baby. Yeah, and they were saying to me the day I went in, they were like, oh, you're measuring very small and that they think he might be a bit underweight and stuff. But he wasn't at all. Now, did did the delivery all go according to plan with no unexpected surprises? Um, Yeah, kind of. Like, there was good surprises. So I was told when I found out that I was pregnant that I was 34 weeks. And then that I was due last this day, last week, last Wednesday. But I had an appointment the week before and they said that they thought I was actually already 40 weeks then, that they got the dates wrong because obviously it's hard to tell when you only find out in your third trimester. So they said that they thought I was already 40 weeks so they wanted to induce me because his head was already engaged and stuff. And then I went in to get induced and I was already in labour and I just didn't know about it. Um... So that was a good surprise. It saved a lot of time. And then, yeah, that was kind of it. Then we had him and everything was perfect. All went smoothly. So, and was, it it was, a, was it a quick delivery or were you there for many hours? Yeah. No, it was quick. As in, um, so it was seven hours altogether. But like the end of it was very quick. Like we were actually watching Netflix, just kind of waiting in the room. And then the midwife came in and goes, right, you're going to have to start pushing now. And he was born within the next 40 minutes. So, oh, I swear! If you if you yeah. have to, if you have to have the perfect pregnancy, can I present a new low Brian and the way you do it? It's just it is. I know they kept saying it to me. And so, and remind, really I suppose, remind listeners why with a swollen tummy, a pregnancy never entered your head. Um. So I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2016, and had a stem cell transplant in 2017. And that led me to go into ovarian failure and had early menopause. So I was told I'd never have children and that I had to go on hormone replacement therapy. So I just kept getting checkups for cancer, obviously. And my stomach was slightly swollen, nothing major. And I just presumed I had like a tumour or something in my stomach. And then that's when I found out I was eight months pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you yeah, ne- you never so. got very big with the pregnancy then, if they no, were... No, not at all. Not at all, because that's what they were even saying. They were a bit worried he'd be small and, like, measuring up small, because I wasn't, I wasn't that big at all. And you have so. a very special reason for naming the baby Shay. Yeah, so we named him Shay after our my oncologist, Shay McOreilly. Because obviously he saved me and like I have a really good relationship with him and 
we said we named Shay. Shay's middle name is Bua, so it's blessing in Irish. I love that. So Shay Bua. Shay, it's a gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous name. Have you told Mr. O'Reilly about the birth? Is, is he aware that Shay's been born? Oh, yeah. He knew He knew that night. I was sending him photos and everything, so he knew the night he was born. And needless to say, uh, your wonderful mother, were you straight on to her? Yeah, we FaceTimed him because uh, we'd been on to them like, what was it, maybe 45 minutes beforehand saying, oh, it'll be another few hours, you know, there's no signs of anything. And then we rang her again, but we FaceTimed him. We just showed her shape. She was over the moon. She was delighted. Is this first grandchild? Yeah, it's first grandchild on both sides. Oh, God, the excitement. Yeah, and so he's what, already... Started. And what are the plans now, Nuala, to come home? So we're going coming home, hopefully, um, the first week of September. So we just have to wait because um, Shay won't be Australian, he'll be Irish, because we're only on our temporary visas. Like, I'm only in Australia a year tomorrow, and I'll be here a year. Um, and so he can't get an Australian passport, so we have to wait to get a passport from Ireland before he can fly home. And then flights are, there are flights available, aren't there? There, There is flights available, but they're just like, they're obviously expensive and then there's not that many running. And basically like you're allowed to fly to whatever country you're from, but you can't come back. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. So like we can leave, but we won't be able to come back. And are you desperate to come home? Um, Now that I have Shay, I am. I obviously wanted to stay in Australia. Like I love it here. Now that I have Shay, I just want my family to see him and like my nan has been non-stop praying and until the whole time. So like I'm really excited for my nanny to meet him. So, and it's just such a shame that like they'll never get to see him so small. He'll be nearly three months by the time we're home. Yeah, so that, that newborn baby look will be gone, yeah. But, yeah, but that's why, you know, you know we're, we're very blessed in the era that we're living in, in technology. They've, you know, they've, they're, they're seeing him, I, I yeah. imagine, on FaceTime and, and Zoom and Skype, etc. Exactly. That's it. Like in loads of photos we're sending every day. My mum says she wakes up every morning to a load of photos. <laughs> I've turned into one of those like annoying people on Instagram. I've just photos up every five minutes of them. And what was the whole hospital experience like with COVID-19, Anula? Um, It was kind of, it was okay. But um, we like Dale wasn't allowed to stay in the end. So like I had him at... um half seven in the evening but my heart rate was very high for a few hours we had to stay in the delivery suite until about one or two and then we just presumed Dale could stay but he wasn't allowed to stay so he'd go home then and then no one else was allowed to come in you weren't allowed food from outside you were like there was no shops open in the hospital um so and they normally said that they do classes for like first-time mothers to teach you how to like bath the baby how to feed the baby and all that sort of stuff whereas none of that was running Mm. so you could see some bit of a difference, but um, it was fine. It didn't really affect us that much. Yeah, it's the same here, though. The the dads are literally allowed yeah. in for the labour and then they get a half an hour, I think, and, and they're all uh, sent home. And listen, it's all yeah. been done for the right reasons. We're trying to keep everybody safe. Exactly, yeah. And Anula, Australia is doing particularly well with its COVID-19 cases. I mean, they're one of the countries that it's it's been low. I know there's a bit of a spike going on in Melbourne um, at, at, yeah. at the moment. But they seem to be doing well with the pandemic. It's doing really well. Like when I was talking to my family back home, like we haven't had to, we haven't never had the extreme lockdown that he had. Like when my mom was saying that, like my nanny hadn't seen some of my cousins in like two, three months. Like I couldn't imagine that. Like over here, you know, it was obviously it was some sort of lockdown, but it was nothing that extreme. 
that you couldn't see people and that you weren't allowed to walk certain kilometres past your house and there was none of that, mm. you know, over here. So we didn't get to experience it as bad as did. Um But now there is a spike in Melbourne so they're kind of getting strict on you're not allowed to leave the state and they're not letting people from the, the Victoria state into any other state. Yeah, the so, Australians are great at locking down the area. Yeah, like it was very brief, like, you know, like they were kind of strict there for maybe three or four weeks. They closed the beaches and they closed all the gyms and the nightclubs and stuff. And then it kind of calmed down. And Joe, that was it, really. You know, like it, it kind of got over it very quick over here. Yeah. Like everything's back open now. Yeah, well, hopefully by the time you get back back over here, everything everything has started to reopen as your as your mother's been probably telling you over here. But everyone's just very nervous about the reopening in looking to what's happening uh, yeah, in other I countries. Yeah, so. Yeah, exactly, because that's what they're kind of worried about here now, especially since Melbourne. They're worried that there's going to be a second wave because um, so everything is open now again. Like all the nightclubs are open again, gyms are open again, sporting events are open. You know, so they're just kind of worried that it will spike again so they just have to wait and see really OK well keep away from the nightclubs will you? Yeah <laughs> oh, there'll be no fear of that anyway <laughs> OK Lister wants to know is Nula still cancer you are still cancer free are you? Yeah I'm still yeah. in remission since Great uh, stuff. two years since February Brilliant 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 news and I don't know who this is but somebody says Trish did you see any pictures of Nula uh, she's absolutely glowing so so happy and that comes from your friends but I, they haven't put any names on it so some of your friends are obviously uh, tuned in the, uh, this morning so loads of people here I wanting to you. wish you all the best uh, Nula and uh, and I know um, Evelyn your mum and the rest of the family and Dale's family can't wait to have you back on Irish soil and September will come in the blink of an eye just enjoy I this know. and it's a nice quiet time for you as well just to enjoy um, enjoy Shay exactly yeah I know it's lovely so but we're looking forward to going home and meeting everyone that's very understandable listen you so, stay safe yeah. and thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us no problem. Thanks a million. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Nula O'Brien joining us from Sydney along with Shea Bua. Isn't that a gorgeous? Shea Bua. What a lovely, lovely name. And uh, Dad, Dale, we wish them all the very, very best. It's just one of those incredible stories to have been told. You'll never have any children and then to, to go through the worry of thinking the cancer is back and have some kind of a tumour growing in my stomach to go into a doctor to be told. Uh, initially 32 and looks like it was actually she was about 35 weeks pregnant uh, by the time she discovered uh, she was pregnant uh, at all it's it's incredible and a very healthy little baby uh, Shay we we send them our heartiest congratulations last Friday at the annual general meeting of Cork County Council independent councillor Mary Lenehan Foley was elected to the role of mayor of Cork County for the coming year councillor Mary Lenehan Foley takes time out this morning uh, to talk to us for the first time as the county mayor good morning to you Mary and congratulations to you uh, do you see this as a great honour I do, Patricia. Um, good morning and thanks for having me on your show. Um, yes, I'm bowled over. I'm totally honoured to be representing, I suppose, as first citizen of the county. Um, I'm totally overwhelmed. I suppose the last few days have kind of went in a kind of a, a blur. Um, it was a great day Friday and... Um, my proposer, my seconder, and unanimously passed that I'm the now the new county mayor for the next 12 months. So I'm thrilled, Patricia. It's a great, great honour for me, for my family, and for my constituents, of course, in East Cork. And it's great for gender balance and all of that. It isn't often that we get a female mayor. No, it isn't, Patricia. It isn't. This is, um, 
I suppose I'm the third female um, mayor over a good couple of years, really. Um, Barbara Murray was the lady that held it last, which ironically was from you all as well. So it's great to be following in the footsteps and hopefully we'll see more lady mayors into the future. And isn't and there's a there's a female mayor in Dublin as well, isn't there? Isn't that's there right. um, uh, Hazel Chu? She's that's, yeah, right. that's fantastic. And of course, ma- wearing a mayoral chain of office is nothing new to you. You were mayor of your town back in the day when we had town councils. You were was it about three times you were mayor there? That's right. Yeah. Um, I was the first lady, I suppose, in Yall Town to get it at the town council, back in the town council days, which were, um, a, seems like a lifetime ago now, but I got it on three occasions there. Yeah. And it was a great honour at that time as well um, to wear the chain, you know. I think it's um, it's a thing, uh, and we've been discussing this, I suppose, over the last number of days as well. You know, it's not too often that women get um, to this level. And that's why I think it's so, so important for me, for my 12 months, to highlight, um, you know, that if you do want something in life to keep chipping away and to keep gnawing away, to make sure that, you know, you go as far as you can go and don't let anything stop you and just keep going with it. And like, I've worked very, very hard, Patricia, you know, for the East Cork area and I've I've went forward for election after election, as you know, general elections as well. Um, And, you know, sometimes when you're not successful, I suppose, in politics, um, you're kind of inclined to go, ah, well, or whatever. But I just kind of say to myself, you know what, keep going now and aim for the next challenge and you know this is going to be a challenging year because of where we are with COVID-19 and everything but um, I'm looking forward to the challenge and I think I'll be a different mayor if nothing else Yeah but that's a great attitude to have nothing's going to, you, you get the knocks but you just yourself down, pick yourself up and you just keep moving forward and it's, it's a yes. brilliant, brilliant yes. uh, attitude. It will be a very different year though Mary won't it with the, I mean the COVID-19 restrictions are certainly going to be in place and that's going to restrict a lot of what you can do. It is, but like, um, you know, there's so much going on nowadays and you see it yourself with social media and with media links and different and virtual um, calls and things like that. So, like, I started off, I suppose, on mon- on Friday when I was elected, um, signing the contract for the boardwalk phase two in Yall, which is very dear to my heart as well. And it just fell at the right time because normally it could be a project from anywhere in Cork County. But I suppose the one that fell on that particular day was signing for the Yall boardwalk. So, you know, things like that are still happening. We're still getting fundings and monies through to make sure that we can look after the projects that we had in line before COVID. But yes, Patricia, it will be different. Functions and things like that, you know, with restrictions will be smaller. Mm. And, you know, as the company, as the as the country is reopening, we'd be hoping that, um, look, things will be lifting and I'll be able to get more out and about, you know, because that's what this is about. And this is about, I suppose, making sure that our county is up there um, with the rest of the country and making sure that I can get the people back up and running and get the small businesses, the tourism projects and all that. So it will be different. Um, it'll be challenging, but I'm quite looking forward well to done. it. Well done. Well, well done. And it's, it's going to be a tough year financially, I imagine, for the council as well. I mean, you're obviously, sadly, some businesses have not reopened 
you're going to be down on, on rates. Yes, yes. And like, as you know, from the beginning of this, I suppose, and when we were really in the thick of it, um, Cork County Council, I have to say, came out shining with their community involvement. Brilliant. In it and, it was know, outstanding. 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 Yeah. Your staff, can you can be so proud of your staff. Yeah, and I only mentioned it the other day when I was up there before I actually got mayor. I was up with the girls, you know, and with the with Tim and the rest of them. And I said, lads, you know, you can really take a bow in this because me as a public representative, when we were going into this, Patricia, like your and like everybody else we were so so nervous yeah. and I was going God um, how are we going to sort this there's still people with housing issues there's still people with pothole issues there's a lot of elderly out there cocooning that are very very frightened and need advice where am I going to go with this and straight away they came in with the community helpline and it took such a lot of pressure off me as a local representative and off the other councillors as well and I do I take my hat off to them there was a group of girls and boys above there that just went beyond on the call basically yeah, you know yeah and and uh, and some of them can be recognized today i love this initiative that you have this um the hashtag your council day yes yes and i suppose that's about to learn about the vital work that was undertaken over the last number of months and you know just to, i suppose show some appreciation back to the people that kept us on the go basically over the last number of months um, and the Project Act is a big one, Patricia. It's happening. Yeah. I suppose you, you know about yeah, that. Yeah, anyway. we've done interviews on it. Yeah. yeah, it's really, and it's it's the one that we, a lot of attention on it because it's it's going to kickstart all the towns. It is. And like, you know, there there's always, you know, neg- there's so much negativity out there about different things. And I'm always the one for half full rather than half empty anyway. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm always the one saying, right, if we can't do it this way, we'll try another angle or we'll go here or there because that's what you have to do in my job because it could get you you could get bowled over with it and you could get kind of I suppose going oh god there's nothing happening and frustration and whatever but I suppose with this project act it's just to show that Cork County Council as the local authority are there and give them a call whether it be rates whether it be starting up whether it be you want to put a table and chairs outside your premises you feel with social distancing people are nervous of coming inside and you want to do something that you haven't done before this is what this Project Act is about. It's about all members of the community getting involved and making sure that we get our communities and our small businesses back up and running. And you're there to help, which is yes. fantastic. Listen, yes. have a fantastic year. We will uh, talk again. Uh, but uh, once again, congratulations to you. Thank you so much, Thanks Patricia. a million. Thanks Thank a million. That is Thank our you. new Mayor of Cork County, Mary Lenehan Foley. A lot of people wanted to congratulate Mary Lenehan Foley. She will make a fine mayor, says one listener. While Tim says her former colleague James O'Connor is likely to be a junior minister. Actually, the junior ministers are due to be announced this afternoon. Um, we won't, it, it'll be, we'll be off air, so we'll, we'll look at it tomorrow. I don't know if we're going to get anyone from Cork or not. We'll have to wait and see. But anyway, says Tim, back to Tim's text, Mary Lenehan Foley's father was also in uh, local government and Tim wonders uh, what would be her views about reviving the town councils as a lot of people bemoan the fact that the town councils uh, are gone. Thank you for that Tim. Okay, keep your gardening questions coming in. A lot of texts have come in and calls throughout the morning. We will get to them after news at uh, 12 midday. Due to COVID-19, the big summer concerts won't be played. But the biggest stars, stars. will play. play, play, play. At the Back Garden Festival. It's our new online station that only plays songs you should have heard live this summer. Lewis Capaldi, Dermot Kennedy, Secret, The Script, The Killers, Gavin James, and more. 
the Back Garden Festival. The biggest stars will play. All summer long. All summer long. With Harvey Norman, your specialists in sound this summer. To listen, download the C103 phone app. Or go to c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking about litter in scenic areas when we were talking with Councillor Audrey Buckley from Crosshaven and she about her area where young people are congregating and they don't mind the young people congregating and they need to get out and meet up with their friends uh, and all of that. But uh, what they are most concerned about is that they're leaving the rubbish uh, behind them and asking people, you know, if you're going to visit any scenic areas and lots and lots of us are staycationing this year is to just show, so, sh- show some respect and whatever you bring with you, whatever rubbish you have left, pack it into the same bag that you brought the items in and please just bring it home uh, with you. Uh, listener says, I was in Yall on Sunday, it was about four o'clock, there was rubbish everywhere and by the way, says this texter, you can't blame the people, the problem was the crows were pulling all of the stuff out from the bins. We need to have more bins in scenic areas and we need to make sure on weekends and at busy times that they are being emptied more uh, often. Now lots of people with opinions on travel and the mixed messaging, listening to Barry on the news again there at 12 o'clock, there's just this mixed messaging. Flights are still operating. A lot of flights today are kicking in for both Ryanair and for Aer Lingus. And yet we have Tony Houlihan, health experts, saying to people, don't go away on holidays this year. And people have already booked, not knowing what to do. They're waiting for the airlines to cancel the flights. If the airlines don't cancel the flights, that means do they suffer the loss of the cost of the holidays? And some people have spent big big amount of hard-earned cash and saved hard for holidays uh, and just don't want to run the risk of losing the money that they paid for the holiday. For the holiday. Uh, Claire and Clonakilty uh, says, uh, why is Micheál Martin not coming out and clarifying the situation with regards to travel plans? I have many friends in the United Kingdom. They don't know if they're coming or going this year. What is happening with Ireland in terms of uh, travel? Waiting until next week is simply too late. People are stuck in limbo. When Why is Micheál Martin not coming forward to give information and some kind of clarity? Well, I do know, and this was the spokesperson for our new Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, who said that the Cabinet Subcommittee, they are meeting on Friday. They'll review all of the latest information and I'm assuming they'll take on board what Tony Houlihan has to say. Then the Cabinet will meet after they meet on Friday and then they'll make a decision. So, judging by that timeline, we're not going to hear anything until at least Friday afternoon as to when any sort of decision, unless there's been a lot of media commentary today about travel, unless they decide to have that Cabinet subcommitting meeting early, earlier and they decide to just take the bull by the horns and let people know one way or the other. Uh, are people coming or going if they come if people come to this country do they have to self-isolate if people leave this country and go on holidays and they come back when they have to self-isolate when are we going to hear what are the safe countries that people can go to the these air bridges that they're talking about you know people need to know because if people want to make decisions about holidays then they need to know in uh, advance Margaret in uh, McCroom 
says, and I'll leave that one for it. Oh yeah, uh, surely with all the changes with regards to travel, ministers could be all holding their meetings via Zoom or some form of online platform that surely would cut down on expenses with regards to uh, travel. And Tom in Bantry was listening to my chat with the new mayor of Cork County, Mary Lennon Foley, and Tom says, if the new mayor is deciding to come on a trip to Bantry, could you tell her to put a cushion in her car, please? The roads are falling apart on the N71 with potholes all along the roads heading into uh, Bantry. Uh, John in Mallow had is on haircuts. I got my haircut this week. I got I go I go to different places, but none of them have prices. And this was prior to COVID nineteen. Are they not meant to display their prices? I still have an appointment this time round, but none are still showing their prices. Surely they should be clearly displaying their prices. I'd have a chat with the hairdresser. You're going to and ask them why they're not. Dis- displaying uh, the prices. Now, I know there's the, the, the pubs have very strict rules and regulations where they have to have the prices. I don't know if, the same, if it's the same for hairdressing salons and uh, beauticians. Uh, hi Patricia, this is on going abroad. My, opin- my opinion on people going abroad on holiday is that they should cancel even though they may lose their money. If they do travel, they then will have to self-isolate and should self-isolate for two weeks on return. Our airports should have been closed at the very start of this pandemic and only emergency of flights allowed in. Dr. Anthony Fauci in the States is warning America that they could have up to 100,000 new cases of COVID-19 per day and that is not very far away. The virus is returning to many parts of Europe and has been over the last few days. Are we going to see much of the same thing happening here? That is from Andy in uh, Cork. Uh, Patricia, how long was Cork without a COVID-19 case before this new case? We went 11 days and that's the longest period since we the pandemic started and we started counting the number of cases of COVID-19 in this country. So we were 11 days. We went from, I have the dates here somewhere. Oh, it was back, it was in June, June 15th to June 26th. For those 11 days, there was no COVID-19 positive case in Cork. And then on the 27th, which would have been Saturday, we had one. We've had one single case um, since uh, then. So we've done, in total in Cork, it's about 1,536 cases, including that one that's been reported. That's the official figures for the whole of Cork City and uh, County. I mean, uh, we certainly, if it's 1,500 odd, too many uh, cases, but we're certainly a lot better than what they are, say, in Dublin, with the amount of cases that they had uh, there. Uh, Court says, Patricia, can you confirm if Cork theory test centres are open. I'm trying to book a test but I'm only getting Cavanport, Leash and Monaghan. Uh, John Paul's been working on this in the background. We went on as well to the to the driver test centre to see if we could book. Um, so what we've done is, oh, we, we've emailed the RSA and they say that the driver theory test resumed its service on Monday the 8th of June. However, centres are busy at the moment. A booking for a driver theory test may be made by visiting theorytest.ie or by telephoning 1890-606-106 okay 1890-606-106 okay so they are fully up and running but there's been a swamp of people since Monday the 8th of June booking so course that could be the reason um, maybe keep checking around on the dates that you're putting in and if not give them a call 
1890 So there's going to be a huge backlog as well. And we won't even think about when we get to actually doing the test uh, themselves, doing the test itself. This is just for the, the theory test the court is uh, trying to do. Madge said, historically, when plagues and pandemics happened, people were segregated. Those of a certain generation will remember when TB was in this country, people got segregated. We had fever hospitals. I've no sympathy for people who've decided to book foreign holidays, says uh, Madge. OK, Madge. Hi, Patricia. I feel all foreign travel should simply be stopped. I know money will be lost, but what price do we put on a life? Only yesterday I was having my treatment in the chemo unit in Cork University Hospital and we and the staff there uh, were talking there are fighting for their lives. These people who want to risk their own lives are simply being selfish. Think on, risk your own life if you must, but you have no right to risk mine as a cancer patient or any other vulnerable person. Yeah, it's really tough on anyone that's in the at-risk groups at the moment. I hope your treatment is going really, really well and you get to the end of that journey sooner rather than uh, later. On the issue of uh, travel, we have to acknowledge, this is Tim and Yall, we have to acknowledge the health advisor, Dr Tony Houlihan. People are coming on the media in recent times and expressing their views with their own personal agendas in mind. And it all appears to me, says Tim, to be relevant to money. The virus is not gone away. The scare factor has been diminished in people's minds by these individuals and this could be a very big personal cost factor for people if they end up in an ICU inside the hospital. If we've been informed by the health advisor that travel is not a runner at this time, then that's it. We simply live with that advice. And that's from Tim in your Thank you, uh, Tim. And a very worried listener says, Patricia, all our holiday homes, B&Bs, Airbnbs, caravan parks, campsites, and any little nook and cranny that can be let is let here on the Bear Peninsula. Guidelines and social distancing, my eye. The crowds of people and movement is simply unreal. The heart-wrenching programmes on RTE these last two nights should have woken people up to this deadly virus. Out of respect for those frontline workers, people simply need to cop on. Only a miracle will save us here in West Cork before it's at our door. Thank you, Patricia, for highlighting our concerns. A very worried listener. Yeah, it's it's just, I got that... See, my heart goes out to that lady who's just, who lives in beautiful Bear Peninsula. And we're on one hand being told to staycation. So people are going to an area like the Bear Peninsula because it's a gorgeous area to holiday in. But then people who are living there are just so terrified and so nervous that COVID-19 is going to land on top of them. And while the holidaymakers will head home, people then are living so far away from hospital to get to a hospital. It's just, it's very difficult. It's, it's very difficult. And we know that we have to live with this virus, but it's trying to get the balance right that makes it so difficult. Meg says the reason the Italians came here in such large numbers when that match was cancelled back in March was because the hotels and the airlines refused refunds. God help us all now. Uh, Tony Houlihan says another listener I feel it's been given too much rain he is selective about information Ireland has the highest global positive tests for Covid in healthcare workers were they all travelling abroad what about the recent protests in Dublin shame on this weak government they can't think outside of the box says that uh, texter Jay says there should be no coming in or out of the country unless it's a HGV driver making deliveries it's pure madness going anywhere uh, abroad Okay, that's some of your texts on travelling overseas and then on just some other issues. Can anybody help a Douglas listener? Do you know, says this Douglas listener, where I can get memorial cards made up? I used to get them in the Roman house 
But they've closed down, says a Douglas listener. Has anybody recently got memorial cards printed? If so, can you let us know? This listener is in the Douglas area and we can pass on the information. John in Blackpool, hope you're keeping well. John says, hi, just wondering, my neighbour came out of hospital. He's been in there since February. Nothing now at all to do with COVID-19. Would it be safe to visit him, says John? I think I think you'd be fine, John. But just remember, as with everything, you do the social distancing, keep two metres apart from him and don't spend a lot of time with him. But I would certainly pop in. He'd be probably only delighted to see you when he's been in hospital with no visitors since uh, February. But just be, you know, careful hand washing. Wash your hands when you go in. Wash your hands as soon as you uh, come home. Don't touch your face. Wear a mask. Get your neighbour to wear a mask. Uh, might make both of you feel a little bit confident, but I would absolutely say go and visit him. He would be absolutely delighted and you'd have done your, your good deed for the day by visiting him. And somebody else says, and I will throw this out there to see if anybody else has any opinion on this, says, Trish, nobody seems to have got the Red Cross payment. Remember the hardship fund that the Red Cross and Age Action set up? Everybody seemed to have got the same letter saying that they ran out of money. Well, I knew that there was going to be a lot of disappointed people because they got a huge amount of people applied for what for what was a very small pot of money. I remember when we did an interview about it at the time when we were asking people to apply for the hardship fund within days of us doing the interview. The Red Cross were on to us saying they've closed it because so many applications came in. I don't think they were expecting to get as many applications for that fund but it's a very, remember the Red Cross is a charity and it's their fundraised money that they were using. This wasn't a grant that was coming from the government that was almost like a bottomless pit. They were a charity trying to do their bit to help out people with the hardship fund but it just got way over subscribed. Now I know this listener is saying everybody this listener knows got the same letter saying they ran out of money but I'm assuming some money was allocated but I just don't know to who. If anybody wants to share with us and we, we won't give any personal details out that if anybody wants to share with us did you get a payment from the Red Cross from the hardship fund and what had you applied for and how much did you get if you want to share that with us uh, please 1850 and a final text saying regarding holidays why I would suggest to people they need to look in the mirror and ask themselves what's more important me my hard earned cash or my health and that of my family The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie A reminder that the Cope Foundation who support 2,500 children and adults with intellectual disabilities and autism across Cork City and County are asking people to take part in the Five Peaks One Week Challenge. You can get further details, take part and donate on their website www.cope.ie hyphen foundation dot I uh, e. The Churchtown Community Council are fundraising to refurbish their community hall. They're asking people to donate a slate. Uh, it's 20 euro per slate and if you contribute 100 euro or over you'll take part in a draw for an Apple iPad worth 400 euro. You can donate by going to www.ifundraise.ie forward slash cts community hall and Band and Bag the sh- Band and Band the Shrugs have stayed connected with their musical friends during lockdown they've completed a series of music videos called the COVID Collection and it comprises of talented musicians from Ireland 
the UK and Europe and you can view, view it on their Facebook page and their Facebook page is the Shrugs Band Cork C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm Delighted to be back and there's lovely atmosphere here and it's lovely to get out again. When you're at home on a farm, that's it, like you're, you're pretty much in isolation. <laughs> anyway, so like the market is a great outlet for us and we just love it. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Goals Post Calver Gold, a trusted partner for your peace of mind across the breeding season. Only on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And just a quick few final texts. Get your gardening questions in, please, because Peter will be joining us in a couple of uh, minutes. Jill says, Patricia, here's one for you. Please check with your travel insurance. This is your holiday travel insurance company and the medical cover, including your health card. As many companies and hospitals are saying, it is not valid if your trip is classed as essential in your home as non-essential in your home country. Holidays are not yet deemed to be essential. They are still selling what I see as useless insurance and God forbid if you'd need a hospital while abroad if you did become unwell. My friend works for one of these insurance companies and my friend is actually disgusted by their action. And Jill says, I was just chatting to another friend of mine and she tells me her daughter returned to work on Monday in a hotel. She reckons that Irish people are ringing up, interested in visiting and staying there. But when they ask, will you have any guests from the United Kingdom? When? The receptionist or the booking agent says, yes, more than likely we will. The response that they're getting is, I will give it a miss. So is this the new island for the foreseeable, says Jill? Uh, Maybe, uh, maybe so, as I, like them, won't be going out for meals for the very same reason. Will UK tourism end up slowing down the recovery as Irish people will avoid tourist areas, ponders Jill today. Thanks, Jill. William in Formoy says, I'm yet again hearing rumours about lots of American tourists being around on Facebook. Is it true? I don't know. However, back in April, I was told there was loads of people coming in on ferries and a lot of that turned out to be untrue. It was also said it was a certainty that another man who ran a shop in an area where I live had COVID-19. That turned out to be untrue. Similarly, a guy I was friendly was supposed to have had it and he didn't. Similar rumours were said, how it had spread, etc. Some people need to stop believing everything they read on social media and from Sandra down the town and just get on with your life and live it. And that's from William in Formoy. Heidi says, Morning Patricia on the BBC News. A university in the UK is still asking for full payment of fees for courses, even though a lot of the courses now are going to go online. They're also looking for payment upfront for accommodation, even though, again, a lot of the teaching will be done online. Do we know what's happening here with our universities? I've got grandchildren waiting to hear, particularly about accommodation fees. It's a lot of money to... Uh, pay out before COVID-19 people knew what was happening but uh, the university are slow to give out advice on uh, this one that's from Heidi thanks Heidi and Anne said the person who's looking for memorial cards tell her you can get them in the chemist in Mahan or in Douglas Court that's a man thank you Anne so Mahan uh, the chemist in Mahan or Douglas uh, Court now our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran spoke to businesses and visitors in Cove about tourism and how the sector has been uh, affected. 
and she chats firstly with John Cotty of the wonderful Spike Island Tours. But we have retail, we have a museum, we have the ferry which is classed as public transport so it was an enormous challenge to really uh, get all those government regulations settled but we think we've got there and uh, we're satisfied now we can get people across safely. We've had to reduce the capacity by as much as 40% on the ferry so we can adhere to social distancing. Uh, we're asking people to wear a face covering on the ferry itself which could be a scarf, a face mask, that's just for the 10 minutes on the ferry but once you're on the island we're very lucky of course there's 104 acres there's lots of museums there's a very large cafe so it's a very relaxed experience once you're on site and you can enjoy your three and a half hours again we're very lucky we've got such large space museums and very high ceiling buildings very well ventilated so even the feedback we had from visitors yesterday was that it was very relaxed once they were on site uh, the only consideration there was with the face masks was for the ferry itself I suppose the most disappointing aspect for us is not being able to take on as many staff this year uh, we'd have a lot of returning staff every summer who come back they carry out tours for us and the reality was we just couldn't get back to them all this year so very disappointing to have to let people down I suppose in some ways it felt but it is the reality of the situation you know we'll do well to do 40% of last year's visitors this year and you just have to adjust to those kind of numbers we're all concerned about business closures and I think if we don't see the government supports that have been talked about materialise there's a very real chance that we wouldn't see some of those people back certainly in 2021 so there would be concern out there but at the same time it's a beautiful town with a lot to offer so we would hope the domestic market would make up for that in this year. We're down from County Armagh and uh, we just decided that last minute we'd take a wee break down the cove and uh, and we're going to go see some West Cork after this. Uh, well, we were on honeymoon at just the start of lockdown oh, no. in New Zealand and we ha- we were supposed to originally go to Asia but because of Covid we it was cancelled uh, so we went to New Zealand and we were just home and then the lockdown started so we just got away no more. We love Cove and we love Cork and um, I was here as a kid but I can't wait to go back and see West Cork again. Yeah, we were saying that I think they will lose out on a lot of European and American visitors but then you've got a lot of Irish visitors that just want to wait to the sun won't be able to so hopefully you'll have some recovery. My name is Lisa O'Shea and I'm the uh, general manager here of Titanic Experience in Cove. Uh, we were absolutely delighted to be able to open again. Um, Cove has been very quiet for the last couple of months and to be able to open the doors again to the general public was just amazing. So we have, obviously we've changed the way we operate now. All staff are wearing full PPE and we have had to reduce our uh, capacity because we are an indoor attraction. Um, but other than that, our tours run as normal, nine to six, seven days a week every 15 minutes. Delighted to be able to welcome visitors back. And do people have to book? We are definitely recommending booking online. Because of the reduced capacity, it will guarantee people their place for their particular time that they'd like to come and do it. Now, they still can come up and we can place them on the next available tour, but we would definitely recommend booking online. And do they have to wear masks and gloves? It's not mandatory, no. We would suggest it because they will be indoors, um, but no, it's not mandatory, but we are suggesting it certainly, and we have masks available for sale here as well. We would generally place 18 to 20 people um, every 15 minutes on a tour. The maximum capacity now would be uh, 10 people. So, I mean, it has halved completely. We've lost all cruise ships. I mean, today we should have had a large cruise ship in Cove carrying uh, 2,800 passengers. So we would have been uh, bursting at the seams from the moment we would have opened the doors. So obviously that's gone. International travel is gone. Tour operators are gone. 
um, we would have had an awful lot of um, students, foreign students, French, German, Italian. We take very, very large groups of those. That's all gone. So we are going to be uh, heavily dependent on people from Ireland. So staycations will be a huge one, we would hope, for the next eight weeks or so anyway, at least. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, you'll see a lot of um, people from Cove and maybe the surrounding areas will say, "Well, look, let's let's do what's on our doorstep now." You know, rather than whereas people would have maybe jumped on a plane and gone abroad. We're hoping. Well, that's what we hope anyway. That you're going to see a lot more um, domestic market. So you guys are from yeah, we're staying in Yall and we really wanted to visit the Titanic Experience Museum. Uh, we've wanted to visit it for about five months now, but we couldn't because of COVID. So uh, we came down today did to see it. plans for a barn holiday this year? We did, yeah. We were going to France, but that's not happening now. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's okay. I guess you, we've going to go to Westport for a while and we've a few days down here, which is lovely. So we're happy with that, definitely. And I think the kids don't mind. They're happy wherever we are. John Gately, Managing Director of the Commodore Hotel in Cove. Yeah, we did. We did a very nice steady uh, trade all day, but particularly yesterday evening, we did a lot of bookings in and surprisingly uh, an upsurge in rooms, mainly kind of commercial business. And, but we'd be hoping now that the, the home holiday business will kick in in the next two to three weeks. Cruise liners, it's, it's nearly the region that will suffer as well from the cruise liners because when they come in, a lot of the excursions take them all around the city, Blarney, um, out as far as the Ring of Kerry and Waterford Crystal. So um, it's, the region will, will suffer definitely, but it's the spectacle of seeing the big cruise liners coming into Cove that brings a lot of people down to Cove for the day. So hopefully they'll start restoring that business next year in, in 21. Uh, if you look outside the window, we've actually got some tables outside uh, the hotel now, which thanks to the the county council uh, that's one of their new initiatives to encourage uh, people dining outside in you know in accordance with social distancing so um, the local business has always been very important to us here and I think you know Cove as a destination with everything that it has to offer with Spike with the Titanic experience the Heritage Centre and you know there's some lovely restaurants along the front I mean apart from ourselves obviously there's uh, the Keys and the Titanic and the Water's Edge and Harbour Browns um, nice new place sea salt and obviously the pubs will be opening on the 20th so it has a lot to offer and actually we're trying to market it as a destination for cork city and the greater cork area as well because it's just down the road you can come down by train hop on the bus and uh, you know it's it's on your doorstep the the home holiday business was always very important to us but i reckon you know certainly in the normal summer I'd say probably 50 to 60% of the business in Cove has probably flown in or come in by ferry um, into the country as, as tourists. But, you know, there's a lot of people not going abroad now. And uh, certainly, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, we've always done a home holiday ourselves uh, with the family. So I've always felt it was uh, very good. And, uh, you know, look around for the value. There's been a bit of... I, I've heard sort of some negativity with regard to rates in certain areas, but I think 99% of accommodation providers are doing good deals for people this summer. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, that's uh, Fiona Corcoran, who uh, made a trip to Cove yesterday to see how they are getting on. And thank you to a number of people who have given suggestions for our listener who is looking for memorial cards to make. To, she needs to get some memorial cards uh, printed. She's in the Douglas area. Mary in Killarney says, Welsh colour print in Castle Island do lovely memorial cards. And Marie says, Toker Stationery Supplies provide them. 
they're located, she said, next to Griffin Pianos. That's in Toker. And hi, I got memorial cards from Memoir who are based at the Rope Walk in Bantry. Very helpful and a pleasure to deal with. And this listener has even put the telephone number on 027 515 So hopefully our Douglas listener uh, will be able to get those memorial cards uh, sorted out. OK, we need to take a break. We are back with Peter Dowdle, the Irish gardener, answering your gardening questions. If you have any gardening questions, you still have time to get them in 1850 333103. Call John Paul, text or WhatsApp me 0862 103 103. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Rod Stewart, I'll be playing your greatest hits. This made me so proud. It hasn't changed my life. This made me very proud. Hosea, what's 7 plus 8 minus 3 multiplied by 26? It's a, that's a, it's a tricky one. Some Oasis. Well, that's fantastic. That's great. And messing on the phone. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And Peter Dowd of the Irish Gardener joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. And you are very welcome. And I'm going to get straight in with a photograph of a rose bush that was sent to me uh, as soon as I came on air this morning from Mary in Kalekill, uh, who sent on a picture and we've sent it on now to Peter. And she says these roses were pruned at the end of March. They got fertiliser and this is what happened. Any cure to salvage. She says there are about 40 bushes there. They're all the same. Never grew. Did have a few tiny roses and very bad shoots, as you can see. Yeah, I, I've seen it and it's bad news, I'm afraid, because I, I saw it in a photograph during the year from somebody else who sent it in to me on Facebook and 
I, I did a bit of homework on it because it wasn't it was something that was quite new to me and I had seen I thought I had seen it before anyway to cut a long story short it looks to me like she's got a thing called Rose Rosette disease which is a relatively new viral disease in this part of the world and of course wouldn't you know it a new virus and it's being spread by mites little mites um, as of now like the other virus that's making the headlines we know very little about it um, except that it, it, it really it just kills the roses i'm afraid we are learning more about it there are some roses like the knockout roses which um seem to be quite resistant to it um and i think that's a lot of the time with with um it, with plants and in trying to control diseases trish you look at resistant cultivars and resistant plants and, and work with nature as opposed to looking for the medicine so there are the knockout roses do tend to be resistant there are a range of roses but i would say the best advice i can give there i'm afraid is to to lift it out of the ground and to, to dump it off site you don't want to be spreading it in your compost bin or anything like that so lift it and get rid of it uh, I, I don't think it's uh, anything to do with um the other parts of the question that she fed it and she pruned it. I don't think you pruned it wrong or pruned it at the wrong time or anything. It's just a viral infection that got in. And um, it's it's attacked it, and up. it's it's across her forty rose bushes. So it's spread. Oh, no. So they all have to come out basically is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah like if you want to try if you if you do want to try and save them, you, you could just try feeding them again. Give them a drench with a fungicide like like the copper sulfate, but I do think this is viral, so I don't think it's going to do much good. If you want to try it, do, but I don't think it's going to be successful. I'm afraid. Okay, hi. Question for uh, Peter. I sent in a question last week about bedding begonias, and uh, Peter answered for tuber begonias. Tuberous. Uh, tuberous. Yeah. I want to divide them. They're bedding begonias that I have, and she sent oh. a, a picture of them, and they're overflowing from the lawn onto her patio. Okay. Well, in that case, it's unusual that you'd have bedding begonias going from year to year, but it's not unheard of. So she's obviously obviously in somewhere mild. So what I would do, but don't do it at this time of the year, I'm afraid. But next, I would say early spring, kind of February, early March, lift the clump uh, just as they're coming back into leaf. Lift the clump then, and it's it's quite simple. You just divide them, and just so just when you have that root ball and that root system out of the ground, just prise it apart, pull it apart into two, three, or four or more plants, um, and then put them straight into their new home, be that into pots or into other beds in the garden, and give them loads and loads of water. Keep them very well watered, uh, and you should be fine. They should grow away quite successfully then. And can I say they're a blast of pinks and reds. They're magnificent. It's a magnificent display. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't be touching them. I'd leave them as is. They're just yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. But there, I can see they're tumbling over onto the lawn on one side and the patio on the other side. So, uh, And it does look like it's a very tidy garden, I have to say. A, okay, a, a nice problem to have. A yeah, nice absolutely. Have. Uh, this is from Pat. Hi, question for Peter, please. I have two scraggly red robins. They've taken, oh, they were taken over by other shrubs, uh, which I cut back. Can I cru- prune the red robin back hard as there's only leaves on the top and there's nothing all the way down? Yeah, that's quite common with um, red robin, isn't it? Because uh, as I often say in your programme, I think a, a well-kept red robin, be it a specimen or, or a hedge, can look fantastic. But one that's got a bit bedraggled looks <laughs> slightly less than fantastic. So, you you can prune it, but it's a gradual process. Trish, red robins are evergreen, so if you prune hard now into into brown and bare wood, it can't photosynthesize, so it's just going to die. Um, so you can cut, but you need to remember that 
you need to leave foliage below where you cut. So if all the foliage and all the leaves are on the extremities of the plant and up at the top, you might only be cutting back a few inches. You might only be cutting back one pair of leaves and you, you'll be thinking to yourself, God, this is going to take forever. Uh, and it will take a while because I'm afraid the, the main word that we all need to remember in gardening is patience, mm. right? So it will take time. So, But if you prune off as hard as you can, if you like, but making sure you're leaving at least one pair of leaves underneath your cut, what will happen then is there, there are all these lateral buds on the stems uh, which are dormant because all the growth is going to the extremities. So what you're doing by cutting off the, the tips, you're forcing these lateral buds back into growth. So growth is going to start coming out below where you have cut. So then you can cut a bit harder, again, maintaining foliage below your cut. But you, by doing that, you're forcing the, the buds lower down to come into growth each time. So you will get it back to being a good bushy plant, but you're not probably not going to do it in one go. This could probably take a, a few prunings over the next 12 months. Okay, good luck with that. Margaret in Kenturk. Hi, Peter. We have plum trees that produce great fruit every year, except for last year. A week or two before the fruit was ripe, all the fruit was attacked and destroyed by earwigs. Sadly, we had no organic plums for the lunchboxes in September. Can Peter suggest what we can do to prevent this happening this year again? Earwigs. It's an unusual one, actually, that you hear of earwig damage. I know there's lots of earwigs in the garden and not everybody loves them, but uh, they tend not to do huge amounts of damage. However, so I have no real magic wand in this instance. However, what I would say to you is, uh, this is advice I would give with earwigs attacking dahlias more so than plums, but the same theory should apply. So if you get a a small little, uh, you know, it could be plastic or terracotta, a little pot, a small pot, now only a few inches in diameter, uh, and if you turn it, if you fill it with straw, okay, turn it upside down and 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 dangle it if you like on top of a, a bamboo cane, if you can understand what I mean. What happens is the the earwigs will go into that straw to nest or to to for refuge overnight. So they go into sleep there overnight, okay. That's the kind of environment they like to sleep in. So if you get up in the morning, you'll have a pot full of earwigs and just throw them out uh, and just get rid of them. Now that will work uh, in terms of getting earwigs away from your dahlia plants and things like that the only the only reason i'm hesitant here is because they they might be overnighting within the tree because there might be places within the plum tree for them to to nest but maybe if you could you know work with that principle and that logic that if you can create a nice little b&b for them if you like uh somewhere within the tree and then every morning get rid of it that will physically remove the, the problem yeah um Obviously, you don't want to put on a chemical onto it because you're going to be eating the plums. So that's a non-runner. So the the the, the only other thing I could possibly suggest, and I'm not certain, I, I want to preface it by saying I'm not cer- certain if it will work, but is the garlic wash, which I often recommend to deter aphids and green fly and, and slugs and snails. So if you make a, a mix uh, of water with crushed garlic, water that onto the plum tree. Uh, and what it does is it doesn't kill anything, but it does make the 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 fruits um, very unpalatable to many insects. The reason I'm hesitant is because I'm not sure how palatable garlic is to head to to earwigs. So I'm yeah. not sure, but it's certainly worth a try. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim in Mallow says, for the last week, young blackbirds are thronging to the berries on my Berberus Darwini hedge. I'm just wondering, are those berries edible? Says Tim and Mallow. To blackbirds, very much so. To blackbirds, very much so. But not to, to humans. Us, 
I'd have to double check that one. I'm going to err on the side of caution and say no, don't go picking them. Um, but I, I've an idea. I would have to check it, and and, and you can do it yourself because I'll just be googling it to be honest. So, okay. but from memory, you, you can do something with the berberus berries. But I would err on the side of caution and say not to the best of my knowledge. Please. But I do know the blackberry, uh, the, the the blackbirds love them. Yeah. Okay, Eileen and Clonic Hilty, could you ask Peter what is causing the bud to come on the onions? Bud to come on the onions. Drought drought believe it or not okay. um, so what happens is you know, obviously you're growing the onion as a, a, a root vegetable a swollen root uh, and that's the part we want but the, the from the onion's point of view it, it's quite happy to, to produce flowers and set seed that way but when it does that it stops growing if you like so the root won't won't swell anymore so it's what's called bolting so uh, what you want to do to prevent that happening is keep the onions well watered but it is a fine line because you don't want them to be in waterlogged soil because then the onion itself will rot so what I would suggest is kind of cultural methods of retaining the water around it. Um, so like a mulch of either bark mulch or straw or anything just to phys- physically create a barrier that will help to reduce the water loss from the soil through evaporation. Um, a good a good soil texture and soil structure. So a good loamy soil will help to retain moisture as well. Obviously, there's a hose pipe band. So unless you've got your own rainwater, but... Uh, and to be watering them regularly will also help. But it's, it's, it seems crazy to be talking about a hose pipe mm. ban after all the rain we've had, but it's still in place. Uh, I'm sure they'll probably lift it soon. But um, but that's what's causing it. Yeah, it has just dried out at some point along the line. OK, a number of questions about roses. Christine in Cork wants to know, is now a good time to cut and prune roses and rambling roses? And John in Mitchestown has about 100 roses. Uh, they've had good growth. They've all flowered, but the flowers are now gone. What can you do to get more flowers? It will depend on the rose variety, believe it or not, whether or not they give you a second flush of flowers. But I find most of them do. So the the textbook will tell you not to prune your roses during the summer. But I would kind of ignore that. So when my roses are flowered, I, I don't give them a hard... I suppose to answer the first part, the, the first question first, I, I wouldn't give them a hard pruning at this time of the year. No, not at all. But if your roses have flowered, and I would I would feel free to trim back the dead flowers and trim back the, the growth at this time of the year, but not to give them their hard prune. Um, and with some, but as I say, it will depend on the variety, with some you will get a second flush of flowers. So... Don't give them their hard prune now. Feel free to trim them back, um, but but not their hard pruning. Do give them a feed, most second a second blast of flowers as well. One of the questions there was about rambling roses. So yeah. rambling roses are slightly different. You can prune them back in late summer. So where are we, July? If it's finished flowering, and I imagine there's still some flower left on the rambler. So if it's finished flowering, give it a couple of weeks and then prune it back. I would say end of this month, start of next month, you'll be pruning back your rambling roses. But all other roses, no, leave it till the winter. Sheila in Mallow has a fuchsia tree planted in the ground for the last two years. Now, before it was planted into the ground, it was in a tub. And when it was in the tub, it flowered every year. Two years ago, popped it into the ground. And for some reason, it hasn't flowered. She wants to know why is that? It's been fed. You can see the the leaves coming and trying to turn into flower, but they don't turn. Interesting, because you would you would think if it was doing fine in a tub, then moving it into the ground was the right thing to do. And and she said she's feeding it, so I'd be interested to know just what she's feeding it with. It would want to be something high in potassium and phosphorus, like the the toma- a good tomato food, like the nature safe tomato food. Um, but I suspect it's 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 something else is causing it. From the way she's describing it, uh, I presume she means the bud and not the leaf. That the bud is coming, but it's not opening. 
which could be a, a fungal problem, all right, a, a kind of what's what's called bud rot. It could be that, and I I would say this this year now. Go at it now, prune it back quite hard, drench it with the solution of copper sulfate mixed with water, which which I've mentioned many times, a good organic uh, broad-spectrum fungicide. So if it is something like, like bud rot, the, that, it's unusual for that to affect fuchsia, but I suppose it can. Uh, so, so drench it with the copper sulfate mixed with water, cut it back and feed it, but do feed it with the right plant food. So get, as I say, something like the Nature Safe seaweed, seaweed feed, with the tomato feed with, with seaweed, uh, and that should drive it on. And I'd say it should be okay. Like if the rest of the plant is looking all right and it survived a couple of years in the ground, producing leaves, uh, I'd say it'll come good all right. Okay, all right. We're expecting a nice, fine, sunny day tomorrow. So get out and enjoy the garden. I'd say that's your message, is it, Peter? Absolutely. And you know what? If you're anywhere near Cork City, get into Fitzgerald's Park. I was, I was in there quite a bit over the last few weekends with the kids uh, just for walks and uh, the water lilies inside there. They're just gorgeous at the moment. So get in there if you're anywhere near town. But yeah, get out and enjoy the great outdoors. OK, listen, have a good week. We'll talk next Wednesday. And you, thanks. Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, uh, the Irish uh, gardener. And just before we go on memorial cards, still getting in texts on this. Uh, Liam Barry at Formoy Print and Design, they do lovely memorial cards, says a listener. And the Carmelite nuns in Tallow, do they do memorial cards? And they deserve your support says uh, Una. I didn't realise the Carmelite nuns in Tallow did memorial cards. According to Una, they do. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Una. And just wondering, what the hell are people doing going to pubs with no masks on? I'm sure they don't care. And the publican will only want people's money. God, it's a big worry, isn't it? Uh, we are very worried for the uh, future. People don't seem to worry about anybody else. I am very upset. OK, listen, sorry, sad to hear that. OK, that's where we're going to leave it for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul for taking your calls on the programme today and thank you to everybody who contributed either by phone or a lot of texts and whatsapps uh, we really do appreciate hearing from you we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 to the night Patricia Messenger stay safe The Premier League is back Don't miss our special Premier League live coverage this week on Wednesday, Arsenal take on Norwich City at 6 and Chelsea welcome West Ham to Stamford Bridge at 8.15 that's full live Premier League match commentaries this week. Powered by TalkSport. The Premier League is back and you're going to love it. Get it on the C103 app and C103.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.